0: Hello and welcome to the Surface Tension Podcast. My name is Alex. My co-host over here is Craig. We are going to be exploring deep questions and looking for deep answers to spiritual questions and
1: questions about life in general. We're happy to have you here. And here we go. Hi, welcome to our podcast today. We're going to we're gonna get right into it with a question. Sometimes we start with a story, but I'm just going to hit it hard because I'm really curious where you're gonna go with this. Yeah, great. Here's the question. What if we assume we're asking the wrong question? What if we assume we're asking the wrong question? Some of the questions we ask here are very specific, very tailored, very narrow, very practical. This one is almost a wider, about all the questions we ask, and what would happen if we were to go through our day actually leaving room or the possibility, or the assumption that we may be asking the wrong question.
0: Depends on the situation. This is a very interesting question that you're asking. But the first place I go is, well, what's the context? Are you saying that in all contexts, we are probably asking the wrong questions? Or are you saying just in a general sense that in our pursuit of spiritual truth, we are destined to ask questions that are not going to lead us to where we need to be. And if that is the case, then how can we tighten up our questions? Is the first question often wrong and that we need to refine our questions to get to better questions? I mean, that's an exercise that you've uh, coached me in and saying, that's a good question. How can we make it even better? I love that. I think as a thought exercise, there are fewer things that are more challenging, uh, but also more rewarding than hearing the affirmation of saying, oh, that's a good question, but let's refine it even more and see if we can get to deeper meaning by improving the question. So I like the idea of saying that question isn't All that it could be, but to say that we're asking the wrong question, you use the word question and not questions. So I'm wondering what is even in the zip code of quote unquote the right question, or are we talking about questions? Because I feel like these are clarifying in figuring out what you mean when you say what if we're asking the wrong question?
1: Yeah, I, I think what I'm picturing, Um, may have mentioned this before, but uh, Martin Luther King Jr. did a sermon on the uh, Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. And he said, the first two people that walked by asked, gosh, if I help him, what's going to happen to me? The last guy reversed the question and says, um, if I don't help this guy, what's going to happen to him? Mm-hmm. One question created different space for this man's imagination, Mm -hmm. for his actions, for his orientation. And instead of starting with himself as the object of, gosh, what's going to happen to me if I do that? He started with the other person. Now, that's not natural for us. I don't think we naturally move through our day thinking and being aware of um, the application of our decisions are questions on the people around us. Right. I was in a Home Depot last yeah. week and, uh, I, I asked uh, the Home Depot guy, I said, um, Hey, is every day here the same or are there, you know, <laughs> are there variances of, of your experience? Sure. He said, Oh, every day is this, uh, different. You know, everything is just, and, uh, I'm like, well, what makes good days and bad days? And he said, there's a lot of bad days. He said, for some reason, this apron is kind of like this, tee off on me. And if you have any anger in your life that you need to have expressed to someone, I am your person. Let me help you. And yeah, poor guy, I said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought they were supposed to do that at the DMV. And you know, he, right. <laughs> he, he laughed, but he said, I can't believe that people think we're the punching bag for all of their emotions. I would have never known that. I asked a silly, simple question of interest and curiosity of this that person. That is fascinating. Um,
0: so speaks speaks to the area in which we live and that not enough people have worked in customer service and therefore don't have the understanding that these people are putting up with quite exactly. a bit exactly
1: and so for me i'm just trying to first of all be aware of the questions that are on my mind so much of the questions that we ask ourselves through the day don't even register in our conscious mind you know we're just we're just moving machines, moving through. And sometimes we just feel like we're in a cloud where there's this kind of, I'm just existing. I'm not really living. And to me, one of the first and best things we can do is start going, all right, what what questions are actually prompting this path that I'm moving down? That's so
0: interesting because I I would say that you're dead on with most of the questions being, uh, I don't know, thoughtless, because I would say that a lot of the questions that we ask are functional and operational and saying, where do I need to be? What do I need to do? What's this? What's X, Y, Z? Who is this? Yeah. Just very basic questions that allow us to operate in the world. But very few questions are in that deep conversation space. And very few people make the time for those sorts of interactions. You have a rare ability. Sometimes I scrape the surface of this area in inviting somebody who we don't know exceptionally well into a conversational space that is rare. I don't think the conversations that you have with people are common at all. I don't think most people are asking the Home Depot worker. I don't think people are taking that level of interest in somebody that others might view as kind of An extra in their story. They need to get what do I need to buy at Home Depot? What aisle is it on? Are probably the operational questions that most people are asking. Whereas you're all of a sudden seeing a person and saying, Tell me about your day to day. What makes it good? What makes it bad? That's just, that's rare in itself. So I think, yes, many, to speak to your point, and really flesh it out as if it really needed fleshing out. I, th- I just think you're dead on with that, that uh, most, most questions are for function and not any kind of form. And so people don't focus on the form of asking questions and say, how can I ask better questions? Because it just doesn't occur to them necessarily that, oh, this will deepen my understanding of Things that I didn't even anticipate that I wanted to learn about in the first place. Mm-hmm. You invite that space, you create that space with those questions. And I think not a lot of people necessarily even want to do that.
1: Yeah. What's, what is that resistance? Cause I, I can, I can, I can feel that. I can sense that. I can picture that. I can picture some people, pick, you know, thinking, okay, you know what? My goal is to survive this day and yeah. get through this day and just get to my, family at home to my Netflix, to my dog, to whatever you want to kiss and hug when you get home at the yeah. end of the day. And so they're, uh, the, the questions there, they're going to be governing their movements through the day are going to be very different if that's the prime directive.
0: I mean, to me, it's seeking comfort mm. that most people are motivated by comfort seeking, uh, activities for the most part that the world feels chaotic enough to where it's when can I get to my chill spot? When yeah. can I shut it all the way down yeah. and not think about things? When can I turn my brain off? I'm overloaded. I don't think people anticipate deep conversation as being restorative. I think most people have experienced deep conversation as being combative, challenging, draining. Like I leave our conversations feeling upbeat. It hits me later in the day. We talked about this last week that it hits us later in the day where we're like, whoa, all of a sudden I'm tired. That hit me like a ton of bricks because we didn't realize that we were expending quite a bit of mental energy and we were enjoying ourselves so much. Directly after the recording, you and I are usually just like, Zipping around feeling supercharged, yeah. and only later in the day does it register that, like, oh, whoa, that took quite a bit of mental energy. But I think people anticipate, let me put it to you this way anybody who has a significant other, a spouse, or, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, whoever's listening to this, if your significant other came up to you and said, We need to talk, you are anticipating like, Oh gosh, I'm screwed. Like this is, some, this is going to be bad. This, there's no, there is no possibility of this conversation being one that I leave from feeling energized. But what if the question <laughs> or what if the statement like we need to talk led to something beautiful? Right. What if it weren't such a loaded I, I think it's the deep conversations. We just anticipate them being draining right. rather than being, uh, life giving. Yes. Yeah.
1: Entirely. Right. Yeah. That, that we need to talk is so funny because it's, we, we based that based on our history and the expectations of what's going to happen. And, and even there, what, 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 okay. Let's go back to our question. You know, what if we assume we have the wrong question? Okay, do, do we need to talk? What if we need to talk? No, we, we probably don't need to talk. We need to connect. <laughs> mm. We need to affirm. We need to share. I mean, usually that person's coming loaded for bear. Listen, I want to share with you how I'm experiencing you and all the ways you disappointed me, all the ways you frustrated me, all the ways that you failed me. How do you feel? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: instead of um, exploring things um, from a different vantage point. Well, and that puts you
0: on your heels too. If you get that kind of prompt to enter a conversation, it's somebody making a declarative statement saying we need to talk versus even asking the question of like, do you think we could get together and grab a cup of coffee later? Do you want to share a meal together later? Like that's, that completely paints, you could be talking about the same exact things, but going into the conversation, your anticipation uh, or your anticipatory response would be entirely different. So approaching conversations with an invitation rather than a demand, I think, would change the
1: outcome considerably. Would it not? Yes, it sure would. And to me, w- why are those conversations bad? Because we we front load negative experiences and conclusions about ourselves as a result of this, right? okay, this person's going to share with me that they are disappointed with me, I'm not doing enough, I need to do something better, whatever. We, we kind of are picturing that, which very well may be true, right? All right, fine. That From their experience, that's fine. But we've already decided how that's going to impact us, how we are going to allow that person's words to impact our soul, our, our life.
0: That puts me into like negative childlike space when I hear something like that. Like yes. we have something to talk about that either consciously or subconsciously throws me into right. a place where uh, my parents are disappointed with me. Yeah, and I'm like, oh boy. Right. All right, now I need exactly. to come up with excuses. Now I need to right. uh, figure out how to get out of this.
1: All of that. So, and why do we come up with excuses or lie or do all those other things? in those conversations to get out of that, because we don't like w- what we're going to conclude about ourself as a result of that conversation. Mm. And so if someone comes to us and says, we need to really talk, and we had the strength of uh, spirit or a soul <laughs> or who we are, knowing we're just incredibly loved and worthy and have this incredible value that God has put on us that will not change, as a result of this conversation, oh gosh, yeah, I'd love to hear what you what you have to say. It, it doesn't it change? It changes the approach. It changes because I've already front loaded my conclusion on the negative side of saying, "Hey, let's talk." Oh man, I did something wrong. I'm in trouble. I'm I've broken this relationship. Relationships are too hard. <laughs> I'm always failing at relationships. We we have this kind of automatic press play in our mind how we're going to respond instead of learning how to be in those conversations or see, stay present with what the other person is sharing.
0: Well, we can't control when somebody comes up to us and says, we need to talk, right? No, you can't. So then it's on us to go into ask the right question mode, right? Because we can certainly push back with a statement and say, I don't have time for this, or I'd rather not, or what's this about? So those would probably be the wrong responses. I'm trying to stay with your initial question of what if we're asking the wrong question? What does the right question look like in any given situation? It probably looks very different situationally, but it's... I guess the right question would be relationally uh, attuned rather than operationally attuned. So if you were getting this question or getting this demand, of we need to talk rather than going into thinking about, Oh, what is this about? What is this about? What if we went to, where's this person's heart at? Um, What, and then go back to Good Samaritan and say, what's going to happen if this person doesn't feel heard? Yes. And then it's not about us anymore.
1: Yeah.
0: Like how, how do we depersonalize? You ask great questions that aren't about you. I know I can ask questions and tee myself up for a story about myself, right? Yes. Like we can all do that. We, you mentioned this. A while back, that there were different kinds of questions—questions questions where you genuinely cared about the answer, questions where you teed yourself up to say something that you yes. already knew, right. uh, questions that are rhetorical, and so on and so forth. But the right question, quote unquote, oftentimes should come from a place of uh, relational groundedness and understanding that yes. I need to first love this other person and then ask the question and divorce myself and whatever I'm bringing to the table. Cause that conversation of, we need to talk probably isn't as much about us as we would uh, be afraid that it would be right. It's really about, it's really about the other person saying, I'm not feeling so great and I need you to hear me. Yes. And maybe that's it.
1: That's it. And I, I so appreciate the way that you are trying to point out how often we immediately go to ourself and our story and our question, how this conversation is going to impact me, my emotional life, what my identity, what I'm going to conclude about myself. And you're saying, what if we just pause that and stay with that other person's story? And what if we just ask a new question of, what if this conversation can actually bring about a better connection in our relationship? Now all of a sudden we're we're staying with the other person and coming alongside their feelings and their their emotions. Um, and this this is this is difficult. This is hard to do. This is a muscle that we have to glean over time of learning how to pivot away from complete domination of our mind of ourself to start thinking, considering, being curious, being eventually captivated with the story of other people.
0: I'm just, I'm just thinking about how uncomfortable conversations, I have many an uncomfortable conversation with people in my family, and I usually go on the defensive and then I go on the offensive. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm the, yep. and it's just like a miserable back and forth. And I have this, I'm a competitive Person, I try to suppress that in most avenues, but I like winning uh, yes. in an unhealthy way. And what I've come to realize is, in a hundred conversations, if I feel the need to win, and let's say I do win a hundred conversations, imagine you're listening. You're, if you're listening to this, imagine having a hundred we need to talks yeah. with your significant other and that puts you on the defensive and eventually you feel like, Oh, I need to assert myself and win. If you win a hundred times, what is the other person feeling about themselves? Then they're the loser. Yeah. And then you're in a relationship with a loser right? and they don't want to be that. And you don't want to be in a relationship with a loser either. Yes. So how do we navigate that relational dynamic and say, how, is the relationship going to win? How is understanding going to win? Uh, rather than it being a win for either person, how is, how is spiritual depth and complexity going to be realized through this lens and mirror of the person that is in front of me?
1: Yes. Yes. I think that's very well said, and I appreciate your authenticity to say when we're in these difficult conversations, we defend and then attack. That's the first thing we do. That's, this is, let me tell you why I'm not really like this. <laughs> let me tell you why you're wrong in terms of your perception about me, and let me tell you why you're horrible for having brought these things up. And that is such a natural, common thing. And again, the healthiest things in life are, are unnatural. We, we have to move towards the counterintuitive to assume wait a minute wait a minute this is my first response okay my first response is put them up I get my my gloves up and I'm gonna defend my melon and then I'm gonna come out swinging it's like okay that's my first response is that my best response is is that really going to accomplish what we need to do and I think we need God in those moments I think we need the Holy Spirit to to help us press the pause button and say, what do you really want here? What's really important here? What would happen if you just cared for this person and what they're sharing? I've
0: been so bad at listening to my family members. I've been so bad at that. Like if all they really want, this is like kind of, this is hitting me kind of hard right now. What if we were just better at listening and the the right questions found us as we were more attentive. Like maybe, maybe we're asking the wrong questions because we're not letting the game come to us. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're not observing nearly enough. Maybe we're not hearing things well enough to even begin to ask the right questions. That's probably a big part of asking the wrong questions is first making the wrong assumptions and then thinking that you're, or, or me thinking that I have to defend myself in some kind of conversation. Yeah. I'm making wild assumptions about any given situation that many of which are probably untrue. Yes. And I'm not allowing the space for good questions to come into play. And I'm probably unable to ask how well can you formulate a powerful question if you're busy trying to defend yourself.
1: Yeah. Right? Totally. And I love what you shared about noticing other people and just noticing where they're at. If it gets to, nobody really likes to have, well, some people might. (laughs) Most people don't like to have the, uh, we need to talk conversation. It creates a lot of anxiety to initiate a conversation like that. Yeah, definitely. Not easy for a lot of people. And if it's gotten to that point, then there's, it's hit critical mass that something has been building up, right? The, the 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 dirty laundry in the suitcase is making the suitcase explode. We need to talk. Mm-hmm. How wonderful would it be if we noticed things and then we're curious? Gosh, I noticed you're seeming a little short with me. I noticed... I I we have you haven't given me as much eye contact as normal. Mm. I've noticed you're a little quieter than normal. I'm what's what's going on? I'm curious.
0: That's that's interesting that you mentioned that cuz that's something I would highlight is a tremendous skill of yours. Uh I'm developing this skill and females are way better at this than dudes will ever be. <laughs> it's not quite fair but nothing really is but um being highly literate in body language, that is something that doesn't come naturally to me at all. Uh, it comes naturally to some people and I admire that, but what you're highlighting in noticing people is once it gets to the verbal, you're probably already, you know, down the Creek a little bit or up the Creek, however the saying goes. And, uh, yeah what if we understood body language cues a little right. bit better to really perceive where others were at, yeah. and that we could ask better questions before the demand of we need to talk yes. even came up
1: so and change and changing the win i I'll tell, tell you a quick story. A couple of days ago, I was feeling a little sad. I don't usually wake up feeling sad, <laughs> but mm. I was feeling a little sad um. I could tell my wife was noticing that something was a little off with me because I could just tell by the way she started kind of monitoring me a little bit more than normal um, that she could tell. And I just pulled her off to the side and said, you know, I don't know why for some reason I'm just feeling a little sad. And she gave me a great gift. Mm. She's like, Thank, thanks for sharing that. That that. That's okay. Wow. And just being able to receive that was healing, being able to share that was healing, being able to be given the freedom to just be in that space for a little while. And it, it cleared up in a couple hours and all right, I don't know what that was about. And, but I, and I thanked her for it later. I said, thank you so much. Um, I I wish I would have said it this way because this is more accurate. Thank you for not treating me the way I would have treated me because I would have been, um, treated someone sad and saying uh, hey stop being sad you've got a lot to be thankful for or I don't know if or, you would say that come
0: on. <laughs> I I think you would try to excavate I uh, think you would try to yeah. uh, ask questions and say well like let's let's trace this back like let's figure yeah, this out so. I don't see you as as saying like hey be chipper immediately if not sooner I see you as saying like well let's figure this out and let's find yeah. The, let's find the roots of where this is. Uh, right. This is but coming I would, from. I
1: would still have the wrong win in mind because my win is to change the emotion as quickly as possible, mm. and that's the wrong win. And oh, whether it was her own personal wisdom or God just whispering, um, she, why is that she, wrong uh, though?
0: I, I mean, you just, you, you just went hard and yes. and judged that approaches and said quite emphatically that that was wrong. And I don't know if it is um, for you in that moment, that other approach was healthier. Maybe for hmm. somebody that, that would, uh, that would be exactly what they needed though is, is I, what if somebody had been waking up and they were sad every single morning and they couldn't figure it out and they really needed a guide to help them figure yes. out, Oh, what, what's really going on here yes. then in some situations maybe that's not the wrong thing at all right. and it's exactly what's necessary but you know bless cherish's heart she knows that what you needed was something that very few other people can give you right. which is just oh yeah thanks for identifying that and right. yeah that's uh i'm sorry you're in that space but like yeah, things will probably get better. Yeah. I don't know if there's a right or a wrong here, but for you it was totally right what she did and that speaks to the relationship, yeah. that speaks to her reading you well.
1: Yes. Well, let's get let's let's get back to earlier our conversation about um the we need to talk. That person is in an emotional state that they don't like and they want to change it and they think sharing with you all of the horrible things that you've done and said is going to help them be in, an, in a new, better emotional state, right? So much of our life, we're just trying to change emotional states. You mentioned it earlier. Let's pursue comfort. Let's avoid the pain. Let's experience as much pleasure as possible. Well, if we change that and say, what's healthy, what's the healthiest thing for me to do with this, with this feeling? It's, it may not be just to shift to something else. Oh, I'm feeling a little sad. All right, I'm just gonna turn my frown upside down, and I'm just gonna watch. I sometimes one of my defaults is to listen to comedy in the radio, uh, you know, in the car. If I'm sure, you know, if I'm feeling a little down or melancholy, I'll just listen to some comedians, and I'll start to laugh. They actually say, statistically, laughter is one of the best ways to emotionally regulate yourself. If your if your emotional uh, system is off it gets re-regulated more quickly with laughter than anything else, which is cool. Cause if it was crying, I'd be in big trouble. Right. So I love to laugh and I love to make people laugh. But to your point, sometimes those feelings are there for a reason and we do need to be curious about them. Huh? I wonder why I'm a little sad. You know, could it be the two burritos I ate last night? You know? <laughs> yeah. They're still with me. Uh, what, what is it? Um, that it's being, being curious. And if we are safe enough with our emotions, which I typically don't give myself permission to do, we can explore that in a healthy way.
0: How do we know when we're in the right lane, whether it's asking a question or providing help for somebody else? Cause we started this off of what if we're asking the wrong question or the wrong right. questions? But if we're posing that in the affirmative, how do we know when we're asking the right questions? What does that look like? Yeah. What does that feel like? What is the real time feedback that we're getting from the other person? How can we key in on that and then move towards that on a more routine basis? Because I don't have the expectation for myself, for you or for anybody else that all of a sudden, we're gonna ask all the right questions. We're always gonna say the right things. We're gonna do the right things. Yeah. But what what should we be keying in on and noticing about ourselves and the other person to let us know that we're moving in the right direction that is spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and relationally sound. Mm. Sorry, that was a, that was a big question. That was a
1: big question. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of all spilled Um, out of me at once. And I'm just going to spew out an answer, which I don't usually do. Yeah, go ahead. May or may not be right. But if, if we maintain a centeredness on other people and there is more love and value for both parties, I think something good's happening. I think about the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus is teaching there. These people need some teaching. I'm going to teach them. They're hungry. They need some food. Turns to his disciples. Hey, go feed them. Ah, oh, we can't feed them. We don't have enough money to feed them. Go, go find some food. I, we can't do that. It would take forever to go to the villages and do that. What do you have? He, and then he brought them... Into the process of the food distribution, he expressed love and value through them to them. How do you think they felt as they were actually being Jesus's literal hands and feet, doling out this beautiful food to the people around him? I mean, that would have been pretty cool. If you take someone who's hungry that hasn't eaten for a while, and you walk up with bread
0: and fish? I was like— A little fish sandwich for you in the morning. Oh,
1: my word. That And so in that, to me, if we reverse engineer that, it's we have this There's right heart from Jesus to say, I'm going to focus on being other-centered. He could have just said, okay, guys, I'm hungry, in and out closes in an hour, go have fun. And I sadly think that's what a lot of us do. We think just about us and what we want instead of saying, you know, no, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I'm thinking about the others around me the people around me and how I can bring love and value to the people around me.
0: Well, that's our worldly nature. That's the more animalistic side of us to, to want to provide for ourselves, to secure things for ourselves, to secure comfort or whatever, what have you. But that's what separates, separates us from, uh, the rest of, uh, the animals. That is why we are distinct is because we can focus on things that are, uh, outside of our nature as higher ideals to pursue. That's what makes us special. That's why we have that, that splash of God in us.
1: Yeah. And maybe, maybe it's as simple as just changing the pronouns, um, of our questions. Um, the other day I had a conversation with my daughter and we went, I had just read the passage in the Bible where uh, the guy got the big crop. He had this huge, bountiful crop, you know, and then he's like, hey, what should I, you know, what should I do with my crop? I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll build a barn. And God's like, ah, wrong answer tonight. You know, your life's going to be demanded of you. And it, it was kind of a lesson to point out values and how we make decisions and things, but I, I just tried to create some space for my daughter and sharing, hey, uh, okay, let's read this together. Read. It. Um, is there anything wrong with a big crop? No, there's nothing wrong with a big crop. It's fantastic. What a blessing from God, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and then the man says, what should I do with my crop? Is there anything wrong with that question? Let's assume... <laughs> He's asking the wrong question. What is wrong with that, Alex? I'm going to see if you're smarter than my daughter. <laughs>
0: Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Which daughter is it?
1: <laughs> it's, They're both smarter than I, I am. Oh, <laughs> uh, what, what's wrong with that question? What am I going to do with my crop? I and my. Yes.
0: Yeah. Whose crop is it? Right. It's God's crop.
1: What am I going to do with my crop? Would it not have been better, which is what my daughter eventually landed on, to ask the question, God, what would you like me to do with your crop? Right? Yeah. And so if we assume as we move through our day that I am I am asking myself a lot of wrong questions based on self-interest, based on the values of the people and the culture around me, Maybe we can just pause and revisit that and say, maybe if I change the pronoun, ask a better question here, something good might happen.
0: That's an important distinction because I think the questions that are operational in nature of, do I need to put gas in the car? Yeah, that, that one... I wouldn't spend a ton of time (laughs) and say like, God, can I put your gas in your car that you've allowed me to drive? I think I think that might be a a little overboard. But our deliberate questions that invite us into a deeper space with others. What if we noticed more opportunities to ask good questions that were focused on others and not of ourselves? So I think I I know what you're saying, where I ask myself so many questions and I'm in my own head. I'm I'm asking, oh, like, oh, where do I need to be? What's uh am I at the right place in life? Am I doing the right things? Like, why don't I have this? Really stupid questions that are self-centered and they're not operational. I can just ask these questions of myself as I'm sitting on the couch and I'm just wasting time. But I think there are really two different kinds of questions that we're talking about, the operational ones and then the relational ones. And I would love to set the bar really, really low and say, what if I asked one good relational question today? What if I asked somebody else one good relational question today and that was focused on them and had nothing to do with me or as little to do with me as is possible. What if we just set like the bar that. low and really and then we gave ourselves room to improve? Yes. We can do one today, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think we could all do one today.
1: And I, and I love how you're making this practical. And I think it would be a great place for us to land. And I also want to add one little thing because yeah. when you, you rattled off a list of your questions, you said, and other stupid questions, or these are stupid questions. Sure. I would encourage you to be careful with that. Yeah, smart. Because... If we say maybe we can ask a better question, it's a very different thing than I can ask I'm asking stupid questions. Yes. (laughs) It feels different, it hits ourself different, and I think it's going to speed up our ability to ask right questions, better questions, um, if we don't start from a place of the ones I'm asking right now are stupid. The questions that you mentioned are very good and very important and very valuable being able to affirm those questions and saying, wow, those are really good, important questions. And how can I start shifting it? Maybe a little bit different. So
0: I, I want to tell you something to like right before we wrap up, but the compliment that I never used to get before you and I started hanging out, but now it's the compliment that I crave the most is when I'm in a conversation with somebody, doesn't matter who it is, when they stop and they say, that's a really good question. Yeah. And earlier in this episode, we tried to figure out, well, what does it look like? What does it sound like when we're asking the right questions? If you get that response to something you ask, goodness gracious, are you in an amazing yeah. lane? And you should feel great because yes. that is a high compliment yeah. is that's a really great question because it's resonating with the person, they feel like you understand something about them enough to ask them something meaningful and they are thrilled to be in that conversation.
1: Yes. It it communicates love value and um, it's a beautiful way to love the people around us to do that. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Thanks for listening to our episode. We hope Uh, You will continue to refine the great questions you ask yourself and others as you move through your day.